This week on the podcast, should all acquaintance be forgot? I mean, really, should they? Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian, and this week my friends Chris and Eric will join me for a whole heap and helping of the segment where we talk about the newer things that we've been watching and reading and doing. Yep, it's our... 2023 New Year's Fresh Extravaganza, which seems to be the thing we do at New Year's, probably because we take a break from the show in December and watch a lot of stuff in the interim. So we're catching up. You can catch up with us. Subscribe to the podcast. You can help somebody else catch up with us. Share the podcast in your social media feeds, right? And uh, if you want to find all the ways to contact us, Twitter, Instagram, blah, 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 email, you can go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. And there uh, you can find links to all of those things and all of our old episodes of the show as well. So, yeah, join the party. We're back. It's a time for a new year. Let's get going. Welcome back to the longest-running podcast you've never listened to. It's the Magnificently Huge Podcast. I'm Eric. Hi, Eric. I'm Brian. Hey, Eric and Brian. This is Chris. Uh, hey. Presumably someone is listening, so take that and stuff it up your pipe I, hole. I, I found at least one person who listens to the podcast I didn't know about over the holidays. <laughs> it's my cousin, apparently. Really? Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Happy Welcome New Year. 2023, eh? Are you all uh, having hey. trouble writing the correct year on your stuff still? That's like January's no. cruelest month. It's, I, I yeah, never, I keep, I keep yeah. having to scratch it out on all my checks. You, you, <laughs> you write checks? Like, okay, no, grandpa. I don't. Yeah. I'm being sarcastic, dude. <laughs> okay. okay. It's like you stand in the express well, what about your, your, Yeah. What about your homework, though? Are you putting the wrong date on your homework, too? <laughs> yeah. also, like, I don't wrong, think I put the date on anything. I think all of the files I use just automatically put a date on it, right? Yeah. There you go. I'm talking specifically about stuff for work, because I have to do things where you date it for tracking purposes if it comes up later. And I keep fucking yeah. it up, and it's like, no, this isn't from 2021 or 2022. It's like this happened yesterday. God damn it! So I'm spending a lot of time <laughs> correcting the dates. It's really oh, irritating. that's crazy. No, no, yeah. no, that is not happening at all for me. Yeah, exactly. No. It could be. I any haven't year. had that problem in a long time. Yeah. Time, time uh, literally has no meaning whatsoever. I Welcome. got, I got one for you. My birthday is one month before the new year and yeah. uh this year i found out i'm a year younger than i thought i was because i wasn't really keeping track <laughs> really yeah okay we all knew because see my were. my i'm born in 1970 but my age and the year like the 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 first digit oh only match okay. for one month gotcha. out of the year right so like in 1985 i was 15 just in december so I, I fucked it up and thought all year like that I was 53. Yeah. <laughs> oh, congratulations. You, you got rid of that. Yeah. yeah. 
You know, you don't look a day over seventy-five, sir. So congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Home stretch. We're almost done. <laughs> well, we took a, a few weeks off oh, of the podcast because Lord. we Stuff. wanted to. I mean, holidays. December's usually when we just decide uh, we'll do a couple Christmas shows, and then yeah, we'll it's just not like it everyone I, doesn't do that at work. Their jobs all say get out of here. You know. Yeah. Right. And I didn't feel like working on the podcast either. So no. I mean, yeah. honestly, it just boils down. I didn't really want to talk to you assholes over Christmas. That's really uh, right. The gist. So take that. Had to recharge. Had to had to had to had to get the juices. Yeah. Um, restirred. I'm not sure. I, my Ooh, analogy yeah. fell apart. Ooh. Podcast has been around for five years. Yep. Almost. And six. I believe every one of the five years. We have on New Year's come back from a long break, and we do an episode like this one where the entire episode is just new stuff we've been watching and doing because we haven't talked to each other for like a month. And it's the entire show is the fresh shit. This shit is fresh. The fresh shit extravaganza. Fresh shit extravaganza. Fresh. Yeah, fresh, and I fresh, put it to you, yeah. we've been doing this podcast since high school. We've only started recording it in the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, kind of, that's true. That's true. It's yeah. a good way to put it. So it's so, 35 years in the making, this stupid thing. Excellent. Perfecting our craft, goddammit. <laughs> so if, 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 you, if I may, uh, I would like to kick off this year's Fresh Shit Stravaganza uh-huh. um, with a thing I'm pretty sure... I'm the only one that that saw it, and mm. also it's probably the biggest thing. So let's kick off the show with some clickbait. Um, okay, so in Wikipedia, I looked it up. the The quote um, in literary criticism: "An idiot plot is one in which is kept in motion solely by virtue of the fact that everybody involved is an idiot, and where the story would quickly end or possibly not even happen if this were not the case." Die Hard. Ladies and gentlemen, I uh, give you Avatar, The Way of Water. You know, <laughs> uh, every choice by every character is the dumbest possible one. And they had 13 years to write it, and so I have to assume it's intentional. Uh, this is the most competently made, stupid <laughs> movie I mean, ever isn't made. That, isn't that the app description for Avatar itself, though? I mean, I, I'm, yes. I'm on record. I've still never seen the whole thing. I've seen maybe 30 minutes of its entirety uh, in chunks because I just know that if yeah. I tried to watch it, I would be irritated and angry to no end. So I've just, I've just not watched it. This is this is so absolutely another Avatar movie in that <laughs> sense. It has the best 3D that I've ever seen in a movie. It has the best animated cgi characters they're completely believable yeah it you never want to watch this unless you're watching it in 3d on a big screen because it has such amazing performances of the dumbest characters <laughs> jesus <laughs> i mean that's pretty much uh my preconception going in which is why i haven't bothered but it just seems like james cameron made all that money on such a spectacular sp- spectacle but it's just totally devoid of any calories that's what it just seems like it's three hours of empty marshmallow fluff that looks cool but there's nothing else yeah, well, but it, it doesn't it it 
the thing is that it could be good if they would just like try at all, right? Script wise, like everything else is there. It's so well made. Sigourney Weaver playing a a fourteen year old blue critter is actually works, but but it's just a stupid blue critter, right? Yeah. Like so so. All right, a couple quickie examples. I know you're not going to watch this, and I know you don't care, but I'm really it's 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 not a spoilable plot. <laughs> this okay, is, this is for the it, crowd listening. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So like, we have the planet Pandora or whatever, and the humans are coming from outer space, and there's a scene where they land in a big, uh, and to create a landing place, they like just annihilate everything they're landing on, just create this huge fire, right? They don't bother going someplace and landing where, you know, there's some flat land. They just <laughs> make a landing spot. Now, now understand that this happens distinct from other parts of the movie wherein our hero blue people and Jake Sully and whatever live in trees. And he's the leader of the resistance against the humans. Well, apparently they could just like land a ship on the tree and burn it to the ground and we'd be done, right? But that doesn't happen. Instead, what happens is he's the leader of the resistance and and so he has to leave with his family because reasons. And that means that the humans do not come to crush the leaderless resistance, but rather they follow Jake Sully and his family somewhere else. That's the main plot. It's stupid. The movie is so frustrating. And also, am I to am I to understand from other reviews that they are no longer seeking unobtainium because they've obtained no, enough they've of obtained it? Or? They no, they yeah no. At, at one point, they've changed from unobtainium to colonization. <laughs> except that it's really it's really whale blur- sick or navi or whatever pandora whale brain juice which is the fountain of youth Uh, okay they they never uh, even say it it's so so stupid and there's daddy issues and uh, crab robots i completely completely forgot that the whole thing was called unobtainium that's the thing that struck me about the first was like that's Really, James Cameron? That's the name you came up oh, with was, for the thing? Oh, that was my argument, though, for anyone who tried to tell me, no, 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 it's a great film. It's like, no, no, shut up and just listen to this one word. Unobtainium. Unobtainium. Fuck yeah. you. This yes. movie is stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the second one assumes that you remember everything about the first one. 13 Nothing years about ago. the avatars yeah. Yeah, is yeah. explained at all. So It's like, you better have sat through that. So, <laughs> it, it, so in this movie, like uh, the main guy, Sam Worthington, Sully... Is that his name? That what you said? Sully? Uh, oh, is that the actor's name? Because they say Jake Sully about a million times. Oh, it's a, like a yes, drinking yeah. game. Like a three-hour drinking game. Uh, I'm yeah. thinking of Sam Worthington. Like, is... impossible to remember names. Yeah, yeah. They are, they're all like these weird Navi names. So everybody else, you just know by the actor's Sully! name. Like Zoe Saldana. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway. Go what ahead. about it? Yeah. Go ahead. I'm, don't, no, I'm just thinking. I, I bet Sam Worthington is glad to have a job again. Because like, after yeah. the first one... He did not take off like a great big movie star, like anyone would have thought, considering how huge this movie was. Yeah, you know, he didn't. Is, he didn't Leonardo DiCaprio after this, which and, is so weird. And so it's like, well, because <laughs> he went he went from Avatar into the Terminator Salvation, which tanked, and yeah, then he and then he was, went into the uh, the two Clash of the Titans movies. Which did okay, yeah. but they were just. I, uh, I remember nothing. Yeah, Sam yeah. Worthington. Clash of the well, Titans, yeah, yeah, of course, point. was supposed. That's the point. Clash of the Titans was supposed to be a trilogy, and it did so well they made two of them. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, but in so, but in the original Avatar, he's like he has to do this rig in order to project into the body of the whatever blue people. Yeah. So how does how do they explain how he's still doing that? I mean, is he still having he, to do it? Not in at row? all. Okay. They no. don't explain it. For any they, character whatsoever, okay. it's the, just not explained. There's just uh, that's just the, avatars, and and get this, they uh, they like say words like bro and cuz. Oh okay, we have like military navi now from the from the human side, and we've got like douchebags with like tactical shades and tattoos and shit. I oh, wish great. I was kidding. <laughs> this is the, really the movie. The end of the first movie, they explain that, though. Yeah. In the end oh, of the they? first movie, they kill him in his little tank, you know, where his real body is. Yeah. And they use, like, Navi witchcraft or whatever to, like, make his body come to life with his... Th- so, like, that's his permanent body now, because so his like, real body's dead. Yeah. So he's like a Christ figure, basically. No, no, no. Actually, it turns out that the Sigourney Weaver character is clearly the Christ figure, because they make a big deal about how she's a virgin birther has no father or was born of the tree and she can commune with all of the creatures on the planet <laughs> oh she's definitely God. what's confusing definitely avatar jesus uh, what's confusing is sigourney weaver is in the first fucking movie yeah. what's she doing yeah. here i mean you know well her character her character somehow is connected to this navi character that was born of her character from the nobody cares eric why i'm not yeah because yeah. she's oh, sigourney right. fucking weaver you, that's if, why if if you're gonna watch CGI for three hours, watch RRR on Netflix. It's shitty CGI, but it's such a better movie. Or or just go to an aquarium and stare at real fish for three hours and you'll have a better <laughs> plot. Well, here's, and it will look just as real. This is my deal. Like James Cameron uh, was on such an upward trajectory through the '80s and early '90s, and then he made Titanic and basically started believing his own press. And everything since the late 90s has been just utter bollocks. And he just keeps doing it because he thinks that that's what people want. And it's like, no, I don't want a movie that's just all this tech that has nothing to bind it together. It's like, fix your Mm. story first and then do the tech. That'd be real cool. But not this nonsense. Also, Titanic was supposed to be a massive failure before it came out. Everyone was like, oh, this thing is, nope, I'm sorry, no. And then it, you know, did gangbusters. It feels like everything he's done since then, it's like, I want to do something where everybody thinks I've gone too far and then pull it out in the end. Basically. And yeah, which is why he, yeah, he puts together Uh, a franchise that requires sequels in order to make its money back. On Polygon.com, the headline is, James Cameron forced to finish Avatar 3 after making too much money. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then he and then he keeps promising like five jillion sequels to the thing just on a whim it seems it's like he yeah. doesn't know if he's gonna make he's, any money he's got back. three more going uh, he's already shot avatar three he just needs to do all the effects yeah. i mean you've i mean have, have you have you watched future man eric have you seen that show yet <laughs> no. Brian and Brian and no. I have discussed it. There's a oh, whole there's yes. a whole bit, I think it's like the second season, where they go back in time and wind up in James Cameron's house to get a Guga to progress the plot. <laughs> and it's the most astute takedown of Jim Cameron I yes. have ever seen in my <laughs> life. So it is amazing. <laughs> and that's exactly what I think he is like in real life now. It's just I can't I can't get away from it. And so Avatar 2 
just sort of solidifies that for me somehow. The, the, the other reference I'll make is, I'll put a link to this in the show notes, but there's a Saturday Night Live sketch of Ryan Gosling uh, realizing that when they made the, the logo for Avatar, all they did was highlight the word Avatar in Word and you pick the papyrus font. <laughs> he's just haunted by this he's like talking to his shrink about it and so now you're worried about the sequels that are coming out they're making more yes I, well, I think I heard that one so they changed the artwork they fixed it um it looks similar he just got away with it this man this professional graphic designer was it laziness was it cruelty it's true though it's true that yeah uh i'm sorry anyway I'm so sorry that, you did that's that, how we're right. kicking off 23 guys uh, fucking avatar well i can wow. i can almost one-up you though because uh oh shortly after we last convened uh Dwayne the Rock Johnson's movie Black Adam showed up on HBO Max, and I was so curious as oh, to didn't. what a train wreck it was that I sat through it, and it was fucking terrible. Like, <laughs> like beyond even my expectation of the bar being that low, it just it surpassed that. It just kept sinking. This is the one I actually walked out of the theater yeah. on because I didn't care. And you made, I think yeah. you said you made it like ten or so minutes in. Like, I made it like 20 minutes okay. in and there was no sign of any of the characters from the marketing. Yeah. Basically, the first yeah. 20 minutes is like the first 20 minutes of Mummy Returns where they're doing the whole backstory. I mean, it literally was like this weird cobbled together mess of like all these different movies. And you could tell that The Rock had a big hand in doing it because you could see like, well, this is your Scorpion King bullshit and this you're going to pull in some X-Men shit and here's your Justice League and here's your Avengers and blah, blah, blah. And it's just so by the numbers wrote like you've seen a million comic book movies so we're not even going to bother to explain any of this we're just going to dump these superheroes in they're going to go do their questy thing and then have a thing at the end but what kills me about I, black adam is it just they they do all this and then he made a point to bring in henry cavill at the end for the superman caveat cameo <laughs> and james gunn has totally <laughs> obliterated any sense of the dceu at this point so no more cavill it's just everything about this movie is just wrong well that's oh, what i was gonna Cal say is that like none of the uh dcu or whatever is going to survive they they basically are now releasing the last of the movies that were greenlit that they already made anyway right. like there's going to be a flash movie with ezra miller but Which, we all already yeah. know the whole thing is sunk. And yeah. and actually, uh, uh, Henry Cavill had said that, like, he had tweeted something a few months ago about, hey, hey, it's, yeah, I'm coming back as Superman. And then, yeah. like, a month later, he had to say, uh, uh, actually, maybe not. Oh, <laughs> I just Cavill got fired got so again. so screwed because yeah. he, quit, he quit his job doing The Witcher, Witcher yeah. to come back as Superman. They recast uh. The Witcher. Um, with Liam Hemsworth, and now he's lost both Superman and yeah, that. But he's God doing some it. other like big project now. Uh, I can't remember what it was, like Armageddon, something, something. It's some big game or something. But yeah, he's mm, he's yeah, fine. I have no idea. He's he's fine. Uh, but Black Adam is just—it's so paint by numbers. You've seen every single one of these movies now a hundred times. And it's just lazy. It's the lazy. Yeah, the preview the was lazy. loaded with cliches. Oh it was my like God. I, you could pick 
all of the different movies of the last 10 years yeah. this thing is trying to be like scene by scene in the preview. Well, <laughs> and they basically, they just decided, well, we need like a, like an Iron Man, Tony Starkey character. So let's make him Hawkman and he'll have the big fancy super jet and he'll get all of his superhero team together, but we can't get them all. So then they pull like a Deadpool two and they get the second stringers because they can't get anybody else. And then Pierce Brosnan shows up as like their version of Doctor Strange, which in the DC world is Doctor Fate. And it just, it's so cobbled together and like just half-assed. And it's just, it's astonishing how inept it is for such a big giant budget and this whole idea that it was going to progress the whole universe. It's like yeah. The Rock basically killed DC. And he, he deserves all of the blame for this because it's just his ego just ballooned and all of this is <laughs> at his feet. This failure is entirely his. <laughs> but whatever. Zam. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I, mm, I, yeah, I, 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 these these DC bleh, 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 movies, they do point to DC is now, I think, doing it right in that they're not trying to be Marvel. Yeah, that they have mm-hmm. all these one-offs that are like kind of interesting, actually. Yeah, but when they try and do Avengers, they fail. Yeah, you know, of Dark course, Avengers. It's not that they're doing it right on purpose. <laughs> it's yeah, <laughs> like no, they're, the ones they're the doing ones it are doing it well, right yeah. out of necessity. It's like they've got nothing yeah. else. But I mean, when you look at stuff like Wonder Woman 1984, which I thought would be the bottom of the fucking barrel, and then Black Adam shows up and proved me wrong. <laughs> it's just, uh, and then Patty Jenkins not complaining because they're not going to do Wonder Woman three. It's like, well, did you see your, your sequel? Like, did you did you because i wouldn't give you another movie based on that i don't care who the fuck you are because that movie yeah. is just terrible so i don't know i mean i'm tired of superhero movies as it is so i i was already going in with just a, a gleeful schadenfreude kind of feel because i knew it was going to be bad but good god i didn't expect it to be that bad so <laughs> i applaud you for walking out brian i really do I mean, uh, the truth is i walked out because the audience was bad not because yeah i had anything better to do uh, like, and the audience at avatar too right like we we're we're there and you know if, people are coughing because they're sick and they're not even like coughing into their elbow or anything like oh, why, why would just you? like why would hey you? hey dipshit <laughs> like have you learned absolutely nothing from the last couple of years to at least maybe wash yeah. your hands and cough into your elbow and you a, maybe don't go to the fucking movie theater when you're sick yeah, you know you, come on you wonder mm. why i still haven't been to a movie since pre-pandemic knives out was the last movie i saw in a theater that's how, that's how long it's wow been. yeah mm. so there you go anyway well anyway okay so i watched a movie that i i highly recommend unlike yeah. You know the the nonsense you guys watched. Apparently, <laughs> I, Whatever, I I so I am, I am feel like no. I, I'm just I feel like I'm too old for hate watching anymore. I yeah. can't do it. It hurts my it hurts I my, mean, my, I make, my my head. I, I make my rare exceptions. Would but Black Adam had to be one of them because it was just obviously a train wreck. <laughs> right, <laughs> Eric. What did you watch? <laughs> I watched White Noise, oh, which is oh, on it's on my Netflix on my right plate. now. It's on my plate. It's so, I. <clears throat> How to describe it? I can. I will tell you that every second I was watching it was a joy. I absolutely loved it. I could not exactly tell you what happened. Yeah. I. It, it's. It. It's just. Yeah. It's the guy who like co-writes a lot of uh, stuff with. Oh fuck! He co-wrote Steve Zissou. Uh, oh. Uh, 
that, like not Noah Baumbach, but his co-writer is what you're talking about. Yeah, and it, it's uh, I'm gonna try and get his Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, Wes Anderson. He writes stuff with Wes Anderson, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, Noah Baumbach, right? And it's it's a family in the '80s. Um, <laughs> the father teaches Hitler studies at the local university. Uh, everyone is a genius. It's, it's a satire. It's, let's be let's be clear. It's yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a it's a modern family satire that it, it, it makes you think you're watching a disaster movie. Maybe you are. Yeah, it's not clear, but it's just so fucking good. And it ends with a, a musical number in a supermarket. It, it, that makes sense. It's explained early. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. It's, it you, 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 yeah. I, well, I'm gonna have to watch it like five more times yeah. because there's so much in this. It's it's on my plate because it's it's one of those. It's based on a novel that is one of those quote unquote unfilmable novels, which I think yeah. is why Noah Baumbach just decided he was going to take a crack at it because filmmakers love that shit. Uh, which strangely enough, it's uh, that the book that it's based on is by Don DeLeo. And mm-hmm. I, by weird happenstance, have just started reading one of his earlier works called Underworld, which is another like big sprawling like history. But it's anyway. Uh, so when White Noise came out, I was like, why does that sound familiar? I was like, oh, right. And so now once I finish Underworld, I'm going to go watch White Noise and see how that works out. But it's yeah. So the trailer makes it look like a lot of this movie takes place like stuck in traffic on the interstate. I'm hoping there's a lot more going on. There's a the lot more, was. but the yeah. camera moves. That's the camera moves. What's funny is that yeah, the that's the toxic airborne event section of the movie, and okay. it's it, yeah, it's <laughs> it's so funny. It's like basically how they come out of it. Like yeah, okay, that happened. I mean, right. Yeah, it, yeah, it's 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 all you almost think like this whole movie is that, but it's not. It's like there's there's not a whole lot of story development because we're going into all these characters. But it's so funny and it is such a joy to watch. I, I, I that's that's the best I can really say about it. It's it's so. Oh, it's it on my list now. Ex- yeah, yeah, it defies sort of a normal like uh, ten second pitch. Yeah. I just think um, it's funny. It sounds that, like it defies Netflix as a distributor too. Well, so that's <laughs> well, have you have you never seen a Noah Baumbach movie before, Brian? It's like he does. Um, he does. I these can't very, say whether I've seen one or not. I yeah. Uh, like I don't know. Well, like Squid and the Whale is a very that's a tough watch because nope. it's it's a very uh, involved family drama comedy whatever, uh, and it gets kind of squirmy. But he he's just he's very good at the what I would consider the, like the nineties indie vibe. And so he's the perfect, uh, type for this sort of thing. But what kills me is that Mm. he's married to Greta Gerwig and he's a co-writer on the upcoming Barbie movie as well that she's doing. So it's like, so it's like he does these like weird left turns out of nowhere. Yeah. He works with Greta Gerwig on a lot of films though. It's like they're, they're, they're pretty connected at the hip. Yeah. So it's just good it's for them. Just, it's just funny that like his next big thing is the Barbie movie with with Marco yeah. Bobby, <laughs> uh, which I think gives it hope. I think yeah. I think that's yeah from from the trailer I've seen of the Barbie movie, they're not treating it like a a toy movie, right? We'll see. 
But in, in White Noise, though, how is uh, uh, Kylo Ren? Is he good? Yeah, he's always good. Uh, I like I, one of the best actors going these days, Adam Driver. More, yeah, one of Adam more Driver, ones. yeah, he, he brings interesting energy to everything he does. He doesn't, he doesn't phone it in, you know? Yeah. Even, even that, that awful Star Wars shit, which he probably could have just phoned in, he doesn't. He's the most interesting part of those films. Yeah. Well, even, and I know you guys didn't like Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die, but I, I felt. Did. Oh, okay. I think Brian hated it. I can't yeah. remember now. But I, uh, I don't even think I saw it. Okay. But, but I mean, you've got Bill Murray one night, but Adam Driver is really the funniest character in that whole movie, excluding Tilda Swinton, because she just gets to chew a bunch of scenery. Uh, yeah. But then, even if, even at stuff like uh, the Ocean's 7 Eleven. Uh, where he where <laughs> yeah, he plays yeah, the, yeah. the hillbilly bank robber or whatever, he's always just got this weird edge to him. So I'm curious as if it's reined in in white noise or if they let him be weird, you know? Oh, he gets very weird. But okay. again, it's it's not very weird. Like he's improving. It's a sort of choreographed, very weird. There is a okay. part where he uh, okay. Um, oh man, why do I suck at names? So like. So horribly, uh, bu- 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 Don Cheadle is another professor at the uh, college on the hill, and he asks him to show up for his class to help him with a lecture. And Don Cheadle is giving a lecture on Elvis Presley, and uh, Adam Driver, his professor, comes in and starts riffing on Hitler at the same time, and they do this kind of dance of a lecture where it pops from one to the other and it's it's the Helvis and Hitler duet. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a choreographed uh ain't I something I'm such a you know genius professor dance that they're both doing. It is so amazing because I watch it and I go, yeah, these are all of these sort of full of shit uh teaching assistants I had to take classes from in, in college. <laughs> and right? like all of their it, it, God damn it! I'm so smart. Here's another thing I thought of. You know, and <laughs> it is so well done. Yeah, uh, I I really love this movie, even if I can't entirely tell you what happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely on my deck on my plate for uh, very soon. But uh, mm. I've been I've been sort of tied up with things like Black Adam, so I'm yeah I'm, I'm not sure what to tell you on that. Uh, All right, can, so. I got a question for you, Chris. Um, So the one, the next thing I would bring, uh, I watched season six of Rick and Morty. Did you ever do that? Uh, Yes, that was the very latest season, correct? Correct. Uh, I'm pretty sure I watched that. I didn't know it came out. I'm yeah, I'm not sure if, yeah, I, st- if I hit season it's five. On, it's on Hulu right now. You kind of got to watch it for, with ads. It's not on the HBO without the, the commercials yet. Oh. Yeah, I don't um, think I've seen the newest one, the season six yet. So season six, it, they've still got it. Um, it actually kind of feels a little bit revitalized. There's a there's a season-long conceit about why... First of all, they don't have a portal gun this season. They, they don't have portal technology at all. Right. They lose it early on. And then... Uh, Rick is trying to be less of a piece of shit for reasons that, that <laughs> play out throughout the season. Okay. Um, 
that there are there are two episodes in this season I think that will go down in in Rick and Morty fandom. Uh one is the one where uh Summer does a die hard and it is uh <laughs> she's never seen die hard, she's too young, but she also does a die hard on these aliens that are completely familiar with Die Hard and are trying to play by the Die Hard playbook, but they can't because she doesn't know how it goes. That's amazing. Um, That's a very solid deconstruction idea right there. I applaud that. <laughs> That's amazing. Because everybody does Die Hard and they stick to it. They hew to Die Hard. So that random element yeah. aspect is amazing. <laughs> I would love to see yeah. that. <laughs> but, but there's another one that, that is the truly meta one. And they know it's the truly meta one. And it is about writing an episode of Rick and Morty that is too meta. So it, it starts with a character named Previous Leon. And Previous Leon sends you through your past, but he's just making shit up. And, and they break the whole show, and they're, like, interacting with the titles. And, and now they're, like, freaking out. And they're like, what just happened? Why was there music? And Rick's like, because of this conceptual piece of shit. And so... Um, they their credibility is being ruined and they know it and <laughs> eventually they end up meeting characters with names like Brett Con and Connie Tenuity Error and The Twist oh god and at, and at one point the ghost of Joseph Campbell is chastising them all and saying things like creativity is frankly adjacent to mental illness and overlaps with it substantially a lot of creative people kill themselves uh. <laughs> so this is just the writers of rick and morty <laughs> telling their audience off it's beautiful i bet you that's uh. a i bet you that's a fun writer's room i guarantee you that they're just they're yeah. flinging shit all around the room and then picking up the pieces for their episodes uh but no i haven't seen season six yet so uh i'll have to go pull that on the list too Fuck, so much to yeah, watch. Yeah, I, I recommend it. It's okay. actually a pretty good one. Nice. Okay. Uh, yeah. I you know, I was um I was enjoying some comic books over over the, the break and reading some Fantastic Four because I'd heard this and I didn't believe it, and it's true. The whole idea of the Citadel of Ricks comes yeah. from the uh uh Basically, the collective of Reed Richards's from alternate dimensions, because he has a portal, nice. Reed Richards, and they all like conglomerate in this city of Reed Richards's. And yeah, they're not, they oh, don't God. have the morality of the Fantastic Four, so they're kind of like, Hello. you know, enemies of the, yeah, it's like, holy shit, they, they basically took a, a, Fantastic Four thing and reworked it for Rick and Morty. That's so meta. <laughs> I and only the comic book people would get it. I think. Which apparently there is you're, a Rick you're Prime in season six. That's yeah. our big bad sort of Rick thing. Prime. <laughs> Does he fight off against evil Morty? That would be a good showdown. You just have to watch and oh, okay. See, say no more. Say no. Say no more. Say no more. Anyway, okay. Uh Well. I will say this too, uh, based on your earlier recommendation from when last we met, Ryan. Ryan, uh, I did end up watching Violent Night over Christmas. Oh yeah! Speaking of Die Hard, <laughs> which is <laughs> speaking of Die Hard as a Christmas movie, yeah, yeah, it's basically Die Hard in a Christmas is what they did, and like when I just mentioned that when people do Die Hard, they hew very closely to it. This literally 
is not only Die Hard, but they pull in freaking Die Hard 2 towards the middle. And it's just the and most... And Home Alone. And Home Alone. It's the most <laughs> astonishing, like, self-contained meta riff on Die Hard I think I've ever seen. And at the heart of it is just a very disgruntled, uh, burnout Santa Claus played by David Harbour. <laughs> it's just... Eric, did you And see is it, it real... I did not. I want to. Is it really Santa Claus or is it one of yes. these things like no, he's no. a guy at a mall? No, it's really no, Santa. It's really oh, Santa Claus. It's the actual Santa Claus killing people with with Christmas themed ways of fighting and killing. Yeah. It's amazing. Because you because you basically yeah, right and, and this isn't killing anything because they don't really expound on it too much. But you find out that Santa Claus is used to be like a an old Viking berserker before he became Santa Claus. And so it's like, so, <laughs> and so he's just a, he's just kind of a, a badass, but he's been in a 1200 year rut and, uh, is sort of looking for the, the meaning of Christmas and the whole thing, like the whole in joke is just him saying, going, yeah, I don't really know how the Christmas magic works. It just does. I mean, it's like that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and it's and super John Leguizamo gets to say all the best Christmas profanity ever. Yeah, yeah. It, he, he's just chewing the scenery. And there's a little girl who has the power of Christmas and yeah. and is 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 there to make it a real Christmas movie. And there's a point at which he gets his weapon from his Viking past, and she looks up at with Christmas in her eyes, and she's like, oh, "It's Skull, Skull Crusher." Crusher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Beverly D'Angelo shows up as the matriarch of the family, being a hostage. She's just this foul mouth, just cunt, if I may use the the harsh term. Yeah. And it's so funny because it's obviously they've cast her because she's the mom from Christmas Vacation. But she's totally not like warm and fuzzy, <laughs> and so it's just a lot of like inside jokes. If you've seen a, a crap ton of these types of movies, uh, but it's very, very Die Hard slash Die Hard Two. It's just astonishing, and it's the guy that made uh, uh, what is it? The one Dead Snow, I think. Whatever the one with the the Nazis and the zombies. Oh, yeah, the 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 Swedish one. Yeah, Tommy Verkula. Uh, God so damn it! Those are great movies. So yeah, so it's ex- one and two are fucking genius. Yeah. yeah. So this okay, one, I'm in. It's yeah. extremely violent. There's like a whole fight scene with Santa and a bunch of soldiers of fortune in a tool shed that just gets <laughs> bloody as hell. <laughs> it's this so is bad. this movie is made for Eric. I'm yeah, kind yeah. of sad he hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, this is your movie, Eric. Because it's like yeah, it's just um, like super prolonged, violent, gross, bloody. Uh, fight scene yeah and the music well now that you've well the music now that you said it's the dead snow guy yeah i'm I'm sorry go ahead well i was saying like and it's this crazy fight scene but they're playing uh the brian adams christmas song whatever that thing was so it's like this little all all of the action scenes are set to christmas carols (laughs) it's it's so dope (laughs) amazing so it was it was fun i mean it's not the greatest movie ever made but it's definitely a good diversion i will give it you know Four, this four this is stars. the movie that does the same gags that were in Home Alone, except allows them to be as Gross. as yeah. brutal to the victim <laughs> the, as they should be. Yeah, yeah. The it's, shit that should have happened to them happens. Yes, right, right. Basically. Yes, yes, exactly. Very much. When you have a blowtorch burning the top of your head, yeah, you don't just go ow yeah, and yeah. like put your head in <laughs> well, snow. Yeah, your the, brain comes out. The best yeah. part is that as uh, as Santa <laughs> sort of wakes up to his whole, I can still kick ass. Like anytime he totally destroys somebody in a very gruesome way, he's just like got this look on his face that's like a kid 
at Christmas. And he's like, holy shit. <laughs> and he keeps saying that every time he kills somebody just grossly. Holy shit. I mean, it's just it's so stupid. It's fun. So uh, yeah, it's a good diversion. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Merry. Yay. Uh, Eric. Oh, okay. Moving on to TV. Uh, TV shows that I have enjoyed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a show, 1899. Did I already talk about 1899? Is that the one with no. Harrison Ford? No, no, oh, okay. no. That's the Yellowstone thing. Oh, okay. This is, okay, the, the German show Dark that's on Netflix, mm-hmm. if you've watched that or not. It's a couple. They make TV shows. They're very weird in Germany. Mm-hmm. They made this show, 1899, about a ship crossing the Atlantic in 1899 with an international, you know, group of uh, uh, passengers. And they may or may not exist in space-time. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> it is so out there. This And it's got a really slow build where you're not really sure what's going on the whole time. And then things just go full bore weird eventually but you've got all of these characters with all of these backstories all speaking a different language and trying to make sense of this you know thing that is happening to them and ha- may have been happening to you know other ships trying to cross the atlantic very well done um i don't know i seem to like the things that are difficult to describe but well, you, I mean, that's, you got to watch it and nutshell. you got to stick with it. Yeah, you got to stick with it, at least to okay. the third episode or so. But. So before before I do, I saw like last week that they are not going to make another season of it. So am I going to be just left hanging if I, no, if I watch it? No, don't leave me hanging. No, that bro. works. Okay. That will work. In fact, actually, okay. I'm not sure what they could have done for a second season Except to maybe explain what the fuck, but <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the thing. You will not. Something's going on. I don't know. Maybe they. <laughs> maybe yeah. It's like I mean, it's not like there's huge cliffhangers. It's more of a larger. Wait a minute. Uh, what? Well, here's the deal. If you can't do the elevator pitch for the series, that's probably very densely layered. So if they do a sequel, it would end up like uh, Avatar Two. Is my guess. Yes. It's just there's. That's, yeah, exactly. Okay. It, it's the problem that Lost had. Lost was a really good show. Lost was always fun. And it was the, I, it's the kind of thing that once you finish the episode, you're like, no, bullshit. I got to watch the next one now. I have to know what happens now. <laughs> and sucker. You get to the final episode and you're like, wait a minute. This didn't go anywhere. And you realize, no, no, you couldn't end it. The show is predicated on its mystery. Yeah. Well, no, see, so Lost, this is an- Lost is the is the prime example of why we should not trust J.J. Abrams to make anything because he doesn't have a plan. Yeah. He's good at yeah. asking questions and getting setups, but he's not good at tying it up. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. But it's but it is predicated on the mystery. That's what kept you going the whole time is knowing that right. there's some larger sort of vacuous truth that you can't see that yeah. you know fades into the darkness okay and what if you have it explained then it's no longer interesting this is a kind of show like that that i'm kind of like eh, if they can't end it i'm okay with that okay but it's it's weird as fuck well, and they do start to explain things in this and i i already was like oh don't do that let me be scared longer 
<laughs> How many episodes is it? It's like six uh, or eight? Uh, ten? I think it's really? ten. Okay. Netflix always yeah. adds way too many. But okay. Yeah. That's, that seems that's a good true. Average. That's okay. true. Okay. And another show, uh, Fleischman is in trouble. I uh, think I, 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 based on the novel, Fleischman is in trouble. Yeah. That's another Anybody one seen on this? List. No, it's on my list. There's okay. just, there's too much crap Eric out there. Eric told me so, to watch yeah, it. But, uh, Tell yeah. me about Fleischman it, is in trouble. Uh, Fleischman is in trouble is a doctor whose wife drops his kids off and bails. And, you know, he, he, his ex-wife. You know, shows up with the kids and just doesn't come back, and he's left wondering where she went and what the hell happened. It's kind of a gender swap of um, uh, I can't remember the name of the author. Rabbit Run is the book. Uh, uh, up, John Updike. John Updike. Yeah, it's sort of a reversal of Updike, and and it's you know from the not the perspective of the person who takes off, but the person who's left behind. There's a great scene where he's talking to his divorce lawyer, and the divorce lawyer says, "Oh, these uh, these cases always lean towards uh, the wife." And he's like, "Well, oh, shit, that's not fair." He says, "No, no, no. In this case, you're the wife." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's so it's like a look at you think him and you know his his take on. I don't know, not abandonment, but uh, this marriage that has imploded and why it has happened. And as you go on, you, you start to realize that this show isn't actually about him. It's the most amazing uh, cycle through characters. And with the last episode, you realize who this show is about. And I, I would love for you guys to watch it and get back to me and tell me if mm. you think this show has a happy ending. I. I believe it is not. I believe the main character is eaten by zombies, apparently. <laughs> and that'll make more sense once you watch it and we can talk. Okay. okay. But it is, set, it is set up as a happy ending, but it's very... Maybe? Um, so in other words, the character Eric likes does not have a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> or does he? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... Okay. Yeah, I can't, uh, but it's it's very well done. It's very good. It's a mini series that cannot have a second season. It better not have a second season. Uh, I mean, it's just perfectly mwah, done. Well, let's just see if it's based on a book, unless they only do like half of the book or whatever. You know what I mean? It's it's just, yeah. it's again. It's they're gonna if you avatar to everything on the planet, then everything is just gonna be terrible yeah. or more terrible. The, the one hope I have is that the woman who wrote the novel uh, created the show and wrote all of the episodes and is a producer on the she's like her name is all over the opening credits. So That's I'm like interesting. Okay. Unless she utterly lacks any integrity, which is, you know, exactly what money is for, uh, there shouldn't <laughs> be another one. Okay. Maybe it'll go on all for right. ten ten seasons. Who knows? Not me. <laughs> and you get and to then see there'll be the the wizarding world that there go you... along with the Fleischman. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, the sad middle aged depression Fantast world. <laughs> yeah, Fantastic Beasts and how to divorce them. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, oh, I've got I've got one that I think we've all seen, and uh -huh. let's let's just get it over with. Yeah. Shall we talk about Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio? Shall we? Yay. 
Ah, uh, God, that was so well done. I loved that. It and it made me feel so sad for a long, for like days afterwards. Really? I don't know. Somehow the way they handle death in the end, it's to me, it's just when he's walking up the hill with the old age monkey and then the monkey just disappears and is dead too. I was like, oh, I mean, I don't like that everybody dies. <laughs> I, I mean, it looked great. I mean, when people take care to do the stop motion animation well, I, I applaud. But I just, I am befuddled as to why Guillermo del Toro wanted to make Pinocchio into a parable about the dangers of fascism. It's just, it doesn't connect. <laughs> right. And it just, it's, it's all set against the rise of Il Duce yeah. as a metaphor for and I'm boys like, being used as puppets for the fascists. Yeah. Yes. And what bothered me is <laughs> well, that they, they talk about, you know, love your father, do this, do that. And then uh, Pinocchio ended up giving his life to save, uh, you know, Geppetto. Geppetto. And it's like, so basically he, he just did what the other kid was going to do for his dad, but just in reverse. I mean, it just, everything kind of fell flat for me. I don't really know how to explain it. I maybe I just got a really yeah. dead heart because it just didn't move me, but well, you know, I mean, what's funny it, is that the original Pinocchio story, like from you know the 19th century, is about not just a boy coming to life, but a boy who doesn't listen to his parents. Right. You know, it's basically mm -hmm. you need to obey, yeah. which is so funny because that is that is the lesson against fascism. Right. You need to not just blindly obey. But that's what the original story was. I mean, yeah. It just and, it just and, and the, did, the songs didn't he were, do pants he did Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Right? And uh so that's another Back story about World War II and, fascism. And Devil's Backbone. And there's elements in Hellboy. I mean, it's, I don't know what Del Toro's fascination is with fascism, uh, but it's in a lot of his movies, but it's very pronounced in yeah. this one. And it was just sort of like, huh? Okay. So I don't know. Well, I mean, there's, it's Pinocchio. In the end, it is Pinocchio. <laughs> and, th and there were like three Pinocchio movies this last year. And if you're going to watch one, this is the good one. <laughs> Probably. This is as good as yeah. they're going to come. Did you see the Zemeckis right. one or no? Oh, hell no. But I've seen enough to know that I have no interest in seeing it. Yeah. You know what exactly, I mean? Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah, but I did love that they had the thing where um, they had the bizarre afterlife that takes more time with each of your deaths, and the blue fairies were right. these sort of like biblical right. angel creature, you know, sphinx things, which right. was very Pan's labyrinthy. With yeah, the eyeballs, yeah, all the eyeballs. But yeah, yeah. But the the songs were just sort of, I mean. The songs were whatever. I did appreciate. I them. felt the same way. Yeah. I was not into the the end of the musical I, numbers. I did like that every time that the well, I'm just going to call him Jiminy Cricket, the Ewan McGregor voiced character. Like every time he starts to bust in the song, something happens and it cuts it right off. So I th <laughs> yeah. I felt that was a good running joke, but otherwise it was just sort of. Uh, I kind of I don't know. I I saw the original Disney one as a kid, and maybe that's the one that stuck in my head for good or for ill. So what I miss is like, that's the stuff, Pinocchio, and all that kind of nonsense. So this one is just, it's a much darker retelling, mm. but it just, I don't know. It didn't work for me. I want to give, I want to give a shout out just to the craftsmanship right? of this movie. I mean, first of all, Geppetto's beard being made of wood is hilarious in a Pinocchio movie, but, <laughs> um, but, but let's just talk about the like stop motion animated rope. Like right. just there's scenes where they're using rope and it behaves like rope. And it's like, how did they even 
do that in stop motion like this from a technical standpoint this thing is is really remarkable i mean yeah anyway i mean but so is mad do God. they cheat yeah do they cheat because I, I there's like parts where it's snowing and i'm like i don't know that i think this might be some digital i mean you kind of uh, use the tools maybe. at hand but i mean there's a whole like series of stuff that they did for promo where they talk about the making of and it was like you know a thousand days or some shit so it's like it's done like the normal stop motion but i don't know it just there's a lot of that coming up because there's also one called uh uh, what is it wendell and wild on netflix which is the henry seal oh yeah that came out and uh i tried to watch that and i made it about 20 minutes in and i had to turn it off because it was just this yeah, the story was just not there. So at least I made it to the end of Pinocchio, so I applaud them for that because it's, you know, I I was all, I was reasonably interested to see where they were going to do like the whale and the circus and the whole setup. But it just yeah, it looked great, but it just left me wanting. But I know Eric loved it. I would love to hear why. Um, I don't know. I think because it it, it... I can't, I, I don't know. I, it has something to do with nostalgia, I'm sure. But yeah, there was a weird sort of sadness that got through to me on this. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 the, the, basically, you know, the, the note at the end about our mortality, you know, um, mm. yeah, it was effective. It works. Yeah. I found myself wanting it. I, I guess I would found myself wanting it to work on a deeper level more than it did. It is, in the end, it is a movie made for children. It's just a movie made for children in the way that grim fairy tales were made for children. <laughs> yeah. Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it respects their intelligence more than the average kid stuff. Yeah. yeah. Although so. I did I did like when El Duce finally shows up and he's a midget, basically. He's just, he's like four feet tall. <laughs> I thought that was, that was really well done because it's like, yeah, basically he's just another Napoleon, et cetera, et cetera. So... It had moments. It had moments, but I don't know. It was better than most. I grant you. You guys, you guys have more stuff for the uh, for the extravaganza. Have Have you? Uh, I go ahead, Eric. Go ahead. No, you go. Oh, you go ahead. No, you, you go. go ahead. Age, age before beauty. Ah! Age before beauty. Yes. Yeah, so go, you ugly old man. <laughs> <laughs> have either of you bothered with that Willow thing on Disney Plus? Nope. Uh, no, I haven't <laughs> even bothered going back and watching the movie, which I think I saw in the theaters. You in and the I, 80s, you like. and I went and saw it opening weekend, and we basically like scavenged your bedroom for as much change as we could find on the <laughs> on the substrata of floor. And being like you know seventeen year old dipshits, we thought it'd be funny to pay in like pennies and coin, and uh, they made us go. <laughs> change it out for bills because the person at the box office was a total dick the manager just said no <laughs> no <laughs> so so and that was at the cine capri which is basically the phoenix version of the uh cinerana dome in la it's like this giant screen with the thx and whatever and so we went and saw it and the only good thing about willow is val kilmer as mad bardigan and he is nowhere he's in the, not in the show he's not in the show for various reasons yeah. but well he can't I've, yeah 
Well, I mean, also, yeah, it's tough to do like a uh, a, a sword and sorcery version of a voice box, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because exactly, he can't walk around with a bamboo thing on his neck, going "Hello, yeah, I'm yeah. the guy from the other movie." Well, I mean, his his legacy remains in it because uh, Joan Wally is back as Sersha. She's now Queen Sersha, and then her and Mad Mardigan had two kids, but he's gone now. He went on some quest, blah blah blah, to save the kingdom, and it's just. Finally, the the big bads that started with Bav Morta, the evil queen in the first one, are now back, and they got to do this thing. And then uh, Alora Dannon, the baby in the first movie, is now grown up, but she's been hidden. Blah blah blah. So it's just it's very questy, and every episode is this is, at all necessary though? No, I mean it's it's not. Any, it's like Willow was not big enough of a deal for anyone to give a shit, was yeah. it? No. Was Willow itself necessary? No. It's, yeah. It's the, it's the it weakest. It's another boring Ron Howard film. Yeah, yeah. And it's the weakest of all of the, the 80s heyday of the fantasy films. We did a whole show about this a long time ago, but it's just so bland. It's basically George Lucas repurposing Star Wars in a fantasy format, and but, you get but Willow. But there was morphing in it, Chris. There was morphing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's got a... I mean, it's not a like, well-regarded place in my heart, but my wife and I still will watch it every couple of years just for shits and giggles because we like to go, Willow! I mean, that's our, that's our shorthand for Willow. So I'm like, I'll give the show a, a chance. But it's just, it's updated just a little too much. It's basically like reading teen fiction. And the characters, the patois is very 21st century. And the young kids in the show are very uh i don't know too teenagery by modern i mean they're basically modern teenagers mm. just thrust into this fantasy world and then every episode ends this is why i want you to see it brian because every episode ends with uh a cover of like a rock song that somehow fits the theme of that particular episode but it's just wow, all you're really yeah. not convincing it's, me to watch it's, it. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it is it is the most non-diegetic music ever. Uh oh, as as dear. like every break, like every show ends with this sort of some cover of some bigger rock song. I I think the last one was uh Stone Temple Pilots. They were doing some I can't even remember the song right now, but I'm like Oh, oh and, and even ouch. that like if they're aiming it at a young audience, even that is super dated to these yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but it's just so no, it's just no. so questy. But then it got me thinking about because uh, like Witcher Blood Origin has just come out, which is the Witcher prequel on Netflix. And it's passable so far, but it's just not the Witcher. And then it started thinking about like Wheel of Time and the Lord of Power or the Lord of the Rings and Rings of Power show and the Game of Thrones stuff. And it's just fantasy right now is just weak sauce. It's just, there's, it's so bland and blah. It's like, I want the balls out crazy nonsense that they did in the eighties where they just didn't care. Like they will just Conan. throw out balls to the wall and just give you some rando, weird, ridiculous thing. And it worked. But all of this stuff now, it's just, yeah. it's too milk toast. And that's what all, basically. All of the, all of the, the uh, uh, 80s fantasy stuff really started 
because of John Milius's Conan the Barbarian, right. which was fucking full on. Right. And no one, yeah, no one has dared to push it that far since. And I don't know why, because it's the I, one that did well. Yeah. I, I would say Game of Thrones pushes it pretty hard. I actually think the Witcher series, I don't know about the spinoff, but the Witcher I, series is very much sort of boobs and blood. I'll and give you that. They now do it. They now do it correctly. But yeah. like in the 80s, everything else was like a really bad uh, uh, canon films kind of version right. of Conan <laughs> the Barbarian. Well, I mean, the Witcher is basically the one that almost gets it right because it's just so crazy and out there. I mean, they just like that first season that the broken narrative that goes back and forth in time, but you don't notice it until the end. So you spend half the show going, what the fuck is going on? And then it finally pays off. This one, the, the, se- yeah. the prequel is a little bit more cut and dry prequely. And it's just, you know, the assemblage of the, the core group of rebels that's going to take down the evil elven empire, then create the Witcher core, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's, you know, eh. It's like reading the, the bad fantasy novels of the yeah. 80s that were just did too ever, similar. Did you watch, did you, did you guys watch Westworld? No. On HBO? I didn't. I wanted to, but now I know it's been killed. Not, it, actually, it's yeah, been not removed. Im- right? Not important. Not important. Okay. All I can tell you is that the first season is really good, is really well done, and should have ended it. Right? It should have ended with season one. But then they did season two, and you realize that what made season one work so well was that disjointed narrative that they couldn't mm. repeat. And uh, I, I, I kind of feel like, yeah, I, I'm not sure what The Witcher can do. I loved The Witcher, especially the first season, but I wonder how much of it was that disjointed narrative. Uh, the second season, they, they righted the ship a little bit, and it was a little bit more linear, and that didn't work as well mm-hmm. for me. And so, right, exactly. And so, I'm interested to see how the third season is going to play out. But just if Cavill's not going to be in it, I'm out. I just don't care. I don't want to see a Hemsworth playing The Witcher. I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, and it's funny. There's a Hemsworth in the uh, Westworld show. If you get a chance, as I say, enjoy the first season. Don't bother with the rest of it. That okay. first season is tight as hell. Okay. Well, I'll Eric, was, you had some more fresh shit. Yeah. For the show. Uh, I did. I saw the touring uh, show of Moulin Rouge uh, oh, last week. Because you, How was that? Yeah. Because you can, can, can? Yes. Okay. Yes, because I can, 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 can. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it was, oh God, my, my wife is so pissed off at me for this. My review is basically, it was good. And she's like, no, no, it was fucking amazing. No, no, it's just, it was good. Um, Isn't that how you feel about the, okay, the actual film? That's your same, like, it was all right. I, I, I liked the film. Yeah, I, I liked the film. I liked it. Um, but here's it, the, the touring show has a couple problems. One, you can't be as Baz Luhrmann as Baz Luhrmann is, right? right? right. I mean, sure. Baz Luhrmann is a fucking explosion of style. And you, on a stage, you only have so much room, especially with a touring show. The, the music is great. Uh, the numbers have been updated. So there's like uh, songs that weren't in the movie, you know, because of course that's like what twenty years ago. They've they've updated the music. Uh, what nice. bothers me is that the way they have updated the character of Christian. Uh, one, nobody has the personability of Ewan McGregor. 
from the height of Ewan McGregor, right? When when they made the film. So this this actor just is was just pissing me off with how <laughs> lame he was. This is a lame, 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 you know, dude. And they wrote him as like an emo pile of shit. And I it cannot possibly be because I'm so old now that I have no sympathy for that that age bracket. But they wrote in a thing that wasn't in the movie where he's loading a gun with two bullets to kill uh, Satine and then himself. That would not have happened in the original movie. That is so... No! That is like a redrawing of this character to the point that he's a villain. And I'm like, no, fuck you. And, oh, and then one point he tries to turn the gun on himself and Sabine starts, Satine starts singing him their song so that he won't... I'm like, no, no, no. Talking a kid off a ledge does not make this better. You know, there's... I, I get that you couldn't quite stage the original ending. Well, you could have if you had some mm. balls, but they didn't. They they didn't want to have uh, the the count in the actual audience walking up to him with a gun. Um, I don't know. They the the way it ended just revolted me uh, <laughs> because it it took out basically the heart of the film uh, to do I don't know what again some emo creepy ending well i mean uh, i gotta i gotta ask just because i mean they always go for the you know for the darkness especially in the in the second half of these shows but just in general how's the razzle dazzle how's the singing and dancing and just the production oh god the dancing is great they've got there you know it's a cast of 25 i counted at the curtain mm-hmm. and most of them are dancers and it looks wonderful and the way they do the numbers is great um it's yeah yeah oh there's a part where they do uh the green fairy in the in the film it's you know it's where they drink ab absinthe right and there's like a little mini uh fairy flying around that is uh keely minogue um they in this (laughs) the whole stage is lit green Except for a, a a a sort of a purple spotlight that is on Christian, and as he runs around the stage, that purple spotlight is on him, and it is so it so perfectly mimics when you are tripping balls and you are like <laughs> focused in on one thing and everything around it goes haywire. I was like, boy, they have masterfully recreated drugs. I, uh, <laughs> I yeah. Yeah, wow. the the spectacle is pretty goddamn good. Is basically without Yay. without any without any digital LED screens, without any cheating. Nice. Is that on nice. your uh, your agenda for the touring shows, Brian? Is that coming? I assume it's not yet. Okay. I got Beetlejuice coming up later this year, but oh, I um, forgot they and I've got that. Frozen coming up later. But uh, I'm assuming okay. that Moulin Rouge is gonna come. Right. So I'm I'm crossing my fingers for it. Yeah. Okay. This is also the first touring company. It's like. Yeah, as as the tours go into their second, third, fourth, fifth, they get worse and worse and worse. They get more and more budget. And then they come it's to like, Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> right. The first one the first one you get a live band. The fourth or fifth one, you get some kid with a boombox playing a tape. Yeah. You know. He's like the DJ in the back with the hand sign bouncing to the groove. <laughs> That's right. what you get. Okay. Right. Put on by, you know, the Chandler High School drama club. Yes. Yeah. Well, can I tell you guys about uh, one of the shows that did that I did see during the break? 
um, that came to town. Not a musical. Okay. Um, but this is the touring company of the Aaron Sorkin stage adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird. Ooh. And th- this company has Richard Thomas, John Boy from the Waltons, as um, Atticus Finch. Um, and by the way, they've lost the rights to do it on Broadway, and, and there's like lawsuits, so this is the only version of it left is the Sorkin version. All right, so To Kill a Mockingbird, this, this and 1984, I had to read both that and 1984 in middle school, and I clearly did not get it. I did not understand. You were all about Scout, right? You were all about Scout. No, no, well, no. So here's the thing, right? Like when, when, when we—I don't know about you, but when we're we're in junior high and we're reading *To Kill a Mockingbird*, and it's all about how like the white privileged people are a bunch of fucking backward assholes. You read it from the perspective of, oh, isn't this a quaint, you know, sort of like time capsule of the way things used to be, and aren't we all better now? And let's look down our noses at the people in the past. Nope. Oh yeah, no! Exactly. <laughs> oh no! This was like like when I watched Cabaret a few years ago, and I was struck by just how powerful and relevant <laughs> this thing is, yeah. given the Trumpiness and shit today. This this was not looking back and feeling superior. This was like a mirror, right? This was a challenging thing to watch, and yeah. I'm like, wow, this this so, needs to keep being in production. <laughs> so in in this retelling, yeah. do they address the fact that? Uh, Atticus is sort of the the white savior character because that's always been a bone for me in this. Is that um you know. somewhat? I mean, it, there's definitely a Atticus's stuff doesn't work also, and he has to to realize that all of his goody goods are for naught. You know, yeah. Um. So I mean, nobody escapes this this <clears throat> play unscathed. Like nothing really works out for anyone. <laughs> I mean, um, at some point, do they? You can't handle the truth. That's if it's Aaron Sorkin, you need something like that in there, right? Well, a Sorkin speech. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need that. I mean, it's it is it is Sorkin-y until towards the end, where, like I say, you know, things don't go well anyway, and. Right. And he has to compromise his values in order to protect the innocent in a way that he spent the entire play lecturing people not to behave this way, and then he is forced to. Right. And I, I think that was... Um, I don't know if that's in the original or not, to be honest. Uh, it's been so long since I've read yeah. it, but I would... Yeah. There's elements. I... I d- I do think, yeah, it does lend itself to Aaron Sorkin when you think of when Atticus Finch has to shoot the rabbit dog and Scout is like, are you going to shoot that dog? And he says, walk with me. And then they have like, um, uh, he has a monologue as they walk through a hallway for 20 minutes. <laughs> Except it's, uh, yeah, Jeff Daniels uh, as the president <laughs> or some shit. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Daniels was playing the role on Broadway w- w- before it closed in oh, 2020. Of course, uh, of course. Atticus Finch, but uh, yeah, no, really good. Uh, Richard Thomas was excellent. Um, Richard Thomas is a really solid actor. I think he yeah. he 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 must have had to really work to get that John Boy shit out of his, hey, you know, out, out of people's heads. But he is really good. Yeah, I've seen him in a lot of stuff in the last couple of years, and I really like him. Hey, him and Battle Beyond the Stars. If you can outact 
uh, oh, ha- you. Hannibal from the A team, then you know you know you're good. <laughs> no, him in the Americans. In the Americans, he has a part that is really uh, you know there's not much to it, and he he brings so much to it that it's yeah it's laudable. He's really good at what he does. Agreed. Anyway, that's... A thankless role. He brings a lot to a thankless role. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, this is not a thankless lo- role. This is very much a starring role, but yeah. he, he, is, he is definitely worth checking out if it comes to your town. Um, and yeah, I think that's where I'm going to stop contributing to the show. What else have you guys got? Ah, uh, I think that's, that's good for me. Yeah. Uh, honestly. Cause, the only th- cause- yeah, the only thing I have to bring up is that I've been watching... I, I, I've watched hardly any marvel phase four and for our upcoming show i've watched all of phase four and i <laughs> my eyes are now bleeding teaser uh, teaser but are you have you but seen- i did end up also watching uh daredevil season three and you know what that show was really good right that show was huh. so amazingly good especially and particularly compared to anything else marvel does right it's like yeah there's some of the magic shit there's some of the tony stark mechanical shit but mostly it's just fucked up people learning not to be fucked up people I, and that's the most interesting drama i recently watched the first season again a few months ago and uh it still holds up like that second se- uh, episode that ends with the, the hallway fight that goes on for like 10 yeah. 10 john wicks i mean that was just astonishing yeah. and then the whole thing is just him <laughs> wrestling with his catholic guilt for the entire thing yeah it's just it's so well done it's so well done Season three has him in a prison where Albanian mafia guys have locked him in and he has to fight his way out. It is, it is a lot of the same. Yeah. <laughs> it is that in a fucking prison. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's Did, a fucking great show. Have you seen any of the, the Marvel shows on Disney yet then for your, uh, you're, well, wait, that's oh. that's a whole other episode of the podcast. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, Cause, uh, <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. Because, because he does show up in She Hulk, but you'll hate it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I've, I'm not kidding. I've watched all of Phase Four. Oh, okay. so, yeah. Okay. I got a lot. Okay. Well, that's on deck. Got man. a lot. And you, spoil, that's, yeah. you guys better too, because we got a whole show. Oh, I've already watched <laughs> it all. We've got a whole show, but it, yeah. that, that's going to be in a couple weeks, folks. So, yeah. If you don't want to miss it, subscribe to the podcast so you don't. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while you're at you it, you want to get up. You want to get up to date so that when you know Phase Five comes around, you can not watch that too. Yeah, yeah. Like we t- want to get up to date on our podcast because we have inside jokes and you know and references. So uh, yeah, subscribe to the show. Listen to the old episodes. Rate it on iTunes. Help us get an audience. Share it on your social media feeds and. Go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com, and there you can find links to all the ways to contact us on all the socials and the emails and the whatever. And Happy New Year. We're back. Yeah. Good night, John Boy. Good night, John Boy. <laughs> <laughs>